Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Today's program is brought to you by the support of our listeners through the Listener Support Campaign. As always, we do welcome ongoing Patreon donations at patreon.greatdetectives.net. But today's focus is on one-time donations made at support.greatdetectives.net, either as a transfer through Zelle or through PayPal. And I want to thank Daniel, Jennifer, Nancy, another Nancy, Catherine, and Robin. Thank you all so much for your support. It's really appreciated. During our listener support campaign, our focus is on uh, listener donations and uh, also uh, rewarding those uh, donations. During the campaign, we've got uh, several special rewards going. Uh, with a donation of $20 or more, you can receive your choice of several ebooks, including All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet, and Slime Incorporated. In addition, there are other options that are available with donations of $25 or more. At the level of $50 or more, there are several great uh, movies we can send. Uh, if you're in the U.S. and Canada, from the uh, great filmography of Humphrey Bogart, for one, for a donation of $50, uh, we will send you a DVD that has the Maltese Falcon and the Big Sleep on it. It also includes The Postman Always Rings Twice and Dial M for Murder. Also, we have the Michael Shane Mysteries, Volume 1, four mysteries with some great uh, featurettes on the making of the series, and Decoy, the complete series. Also, for a donation of $100 or more, we have the BBC audio drama presentation, Poirot's Finest Cases, which brings you eight uh, adaptations of Poirot novels. So that is available with a donation of $100 or more. A full list of available thank you items at support.greatdetectives.net. I appreciate all your support of the program. And now we're going to turn to talking about today's episode of Richard Diamond, but I should tell you about a few things that happened since the previous episode. While Richard Diamond had started out at NBC, it were to ABC after 80 episodes and got a new sponsor in Camel Cigarettes. Now, the jump across networks wasn't unprecedented, but it didn't happen as much as it did in the pre-war era or early part of uh, World War II. The change does make sense if Rexall no longer wanted to sponsor the show, and Camel's willing to do so. NBC was already carrying a lot of detective programs in 1951, and many, such as Nightbeat, were without sponsors. And so there were only so many programs that uh, NBC could carry like that. For Camels, it made sense to have the show on ABC, since ABC would uh, probably be lower ad rate due to its lesser overall audience. For ABC's part, a lot of their programming from the golden age of radio tends to be a little bit cheap. Uh, there's one a series that I've heard with absolutely no sound effects at all, with clunky exposition used in the place of it. But ABC did go out all out on a few programs. At this point, they were bringing on uh, quite a few mystery programs, and over the early part of the 1950s, they would bring back mystery programs that had been on other networks. In fact, 
Richard Diamond and Rogue's Gallery would actually be on simultaneously on the same network, though obviously with a different uh, star for Rogue's Gallery, Paul Stewart uh, took on that role. Also, this is a series where we don't have to guess as to what the episode titles are at all. Dennis, at the Digital Daily FTP, actually uh, found that as part of the tobacco settlement, uh, Camels needed to provide all of this information, so we have all of the episode titles absolutely verified. The original air date on this is January 12th of 1951, and this one is the Marilyn Connors case. Dick Powell as Richard Diamond. Private Detective. is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Come in, sir. Well, thank you, Francis. How's the pantry Einstein tonight? Oh, oh my goodness, sir. That was a dandy. Oh, you like that, huh? Oh, yes, sir. Well, <laughs> chuckle along and tell Miss Asher sweet and frostbitten is downstairs. Right away, sir. I'll be in the study. Yes, sir. The snow is snowing. The wind is blowing. But I can weather the storm. Why do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Hi. Hi. What's new? Nothing with me. I want to know about you. Uh, nothing much with me either, honey. What have you been doing for the last couple of days? Mm, case. Oh. Got a nice big fat retainer. Oh. Yeah, oh. Look at the eyes light up. Well, I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want your money. But now that I'm independently wealthy, you figure you don't have to feed me anymore. Rick. Don't have to... Take me to any more shows. Stake me to an occasional chocolate malt. Oh, don't be silly. You know I don't mind. Just because I made a couple of hundred dollars. A couple of hundred dollars? Stop kissing my hand. Rick. You idiot. Mm. I have tickets for the ballet tomorrow night. Dinner at 21 after the show. Oh, Rick. <laughs> Afterwards, we nick. I love you. Of course. Now, I suppose you want to hear all about the case. Well, not unless you want to. Well, as long as it's optional... If you're too tired, some other time. It all started three days ago. You don't really have to. I can hear about it any time. I was sitting in my office. You don't have to put yourself oh, up. Oh, shut up, woman. <laughs> as I was saying, the whole thing started three days ago. I was sitting in my office reading Gaylord Hauser and soaking my feet in a tub of blackstrap molasses when the door opened and then walked six feet of mink cape wrapped around five and a half feet of what little girls are made of. I remember thinking about the sugar and spice and everything nice... And even with the mink cape covering most of it, I decided that this little girl could have given a bee farm a nervous breakdown. Mr. Diamond? You have been reading the sign on the door. I'd like to hire you. Well, I'd like you to. 
I'll charge a hundred a day in expenses. I want protection. From what? My husband. What's the matter? Can't he stand the pace? He's getting out of prison at five o'clock this afternoon, and he's threatened to make trouble. I think you better tell me the whole thing, Miss... Uh, uh, Connors. Marilyn Connors. Uh, okay. Uh, who's your husband? His name's Joe Connors. Oh. You know him? Helped send him up ten years ago. Armed robbery, wasn't it? Yes. He hasn't served all of his time, but he's being paroled. Go ahead. Well, since Joe was sent up, I had to find work. A man Joe used to work for gave me a job in his club. Martin Cope? Yes. Do you know him? Mm, slightly. We're hating acquaintances. Mr. Cope has been very wonderful to me. I'm sure he has. I don't think I like that. Your husband doesn't either, huh? You're very blunt, aren't you? Like the front of a streetcar. I don't like your boss, and I don't like your husband. I think it's better that you know now before you make any investments and then have to fire me. You're the best private detective in New York. Only because I'm brilliant, shrewd, and loaded with talent. <laughs> and a little ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Sure. Add that on and just think what you're getting for a lousy hundred a day in expenses. Even though you don't like Joe and Mr. Cope, you'll still take the job? Look, uh, Mrs. Connors, I I've been honest with you about your husband and Cope. I never let personalities interfere in my business. A job's a job. Besides, I'm starving to death. She gave me a slow smile, complete with a high fever, handed me a retainer, and swayed out of the office like Mata Hari leaving an atomic research stag party. We agreed to meet again at four o'clock, so I spent the next hour on the roof, relaxing in three feet of snow, and around four o'clock, walked my frozen blood pressure down to Martin Cope's nightclub, the only king-size safe decorated by Bergdorf Goodman, complete with an intellectual piano player, a $15 minimum, and enough intrigue to make a scented investigation look like a taffy pole. The girl who had been to my office earlier was standing on the edge of the empty dance floor rehearsing a song while the piano player was trying his best to overdo the accompaniment. I grabbed a chair and sat down to listen. like to do a single, why don't you say so? You're unhappy? When you're playing for me, I would appreciate it if you just backed me up quietly, simply. Stop hating Art Tatum. Darling, I'd be happy to do anything you say except for one thing. Yes? You can't sing. Why, you anemic excuse for a musician. You couldn't get a song right if you ran it through a player piano. Temper, darling. You listen to me, Bernie. I've put up with you for a long time. You've put up with me? Yes, with you. Oh, I've let you mess me up night after night. You did that all by your little lonesome, honey. You just better remember who's paying your bills, honey. I get out here and break my neck to try and give a good show. Don't you get cute with me. You better wise up, Buster, or you're going to end up playing for your meals down on Skid Row. They kept going round and round. And about the time the piano player looked like he might possibly throw caution to the wind and stamp his foot, a door opened at the other side of the room, and Martin Cope, big-time gambler and owner of the club, walked over to the piano. Look, if you two insist on raising the roof, take it to the back room where nobody can hear you. I'm sorry, Martin, but Bernie just was... Mr. Cope, I can assure you that it wasn't... You I stay would... out of this. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. You two can kick the walls in when I'm not in my office, but honey, when I've got work it to do... It won't happen again. What's the matter? Who's that? Who? Sitting over there. Well, I'm surprised, Cope. I thought you'd spot my blue eyes. Oh, it's Mr. Diamond. Diamond? Yes, he, he says you know each other. Diamond, the private detective? Sure. You remember, Cope, all those times down at the precinct, playing 20 questions? What are you doing here? 
I got tired of talking to nice people. Beat it. I asked Mr. Diamond here, Martin. You did. Well, I know you're not worried about Joe, but I am. And you had this two-bit gum shoot? Temper, temper. Mr. Diamond's supposed to be the best private detective in the business. Says who? Well, I did mention it a few hundred times. Did Sloan put you up to this, honey? Martin, with Joe getting out this afternoon... I told you not to worry about Joe. Did Sloan tell you to hire yourself a bodyguard? He thought it would be a good idea. He did, huh? Everybody's got a good idea. Nobody thinks I know what I'm doing. I just happen to run the place. Sloan was thinking about you, Martin. Yeah, but I'll give him something to really think about. Now, Martin... No, I'm tired of the whole mess. Everybody's scared stiff of a two-bit punk who's getting out of stir. Hiring an ex-cop who couldn't protect an old lady from a boy scout. Have you been tested for rabies lately? Look, Diamond... Martin, I'm afraid of what Joe might do. Oh, but hiring a private cop and to top it off, you gotta pick this one. Look, uh, uh, Mrs. Connors... I don't want to cause a lot of trouble. Well, you're trying real hard. Maybe you'd better just take your retainer and we'll forget the whole thing. That is the only bright thing you've ever come up with, Mr. Diamond. How about it, uh, Mrs. Connors? Well, you keep the retainer, Mr. Diamond, but maybe under the circumstances it would be better... Sure, keep the money, Diamond. Go buy yourself a new joke book. I don't want it, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll donate it to your restaurant's hospital fund, Cope. We haven't got one. That's the trouble with you, Cope. No vision. You should always have a little insurance in case of a bad accident. I left the club with Martin Cope, stretched out on the dance floor, and Marilyn Connors looking too startled to say much. Bernie, the piano player, accompanied my exit with a fast course of the funeral march, and I headed for my quiet little apartment. I napped for the rest of the afternoon... And by 8 o'clock, I was appropriately dressed in my best blue suit. The other one being a casual sienna and suitable only for badminton and runyon hunting. I had paused to admire myself, surreptitiously humming a few bars of temptation when, uh... Yeah? Richard Diamond? Depends on who wants him. My name's Sloan, William Sloan. Oh, I'm Diamond. What can I do for you? I'm here because Miss Marilyn Connors asked me to come by and talk to you. Well, come in. Thank you. I believe Martin Cope mentioned your name earlier this afternoon. In all probability, he did. I'm Mr. Cope's attorney. I proceed. Thank you. Cope uh, seemed a little unhappy with you, Sloan. That was because I suggested that Marilyn hire herself a private detective. I gathered as much. I picked you because of your reputation. I had no way of knowing that Martin didn't like you. Why are you here, Mr. Sloan? To ask you to go back on the job. Protect Marilyn until we're sure that her husband is not going to cause trouble. I'd like to know something, Mr. Sloan. Why do you expect Marilyn's husband to cause trouble? Isn't it obvious? Maybe I'm a little dense. Why, but... Marilyn and Martin Cope have been in love since Joe Connors was sent to prison. You think that's enough to make Joe Connors try something? Well, it uh, goes a little deeper than that. How deep? Joe Connors used to work for Martin. Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. I'm beginning to remember... Joe Connors swore Cope had him framed. That's correct. He swore that when he got out, he'd get him. Well, it's a little tough under the circumstances. It'll just cause another argument between Cope and Marilyn if I show up again. Why don't you get yourself another boy? A lot of good private detectives in New York. Because you'd be about the only one who wouldn't be afraid of Martin. And uh, Marilyn has a great respect for you. Even after I belted her boyfriend? Well, I think that convinced her you were the one for the job. Hmm. Joe Connors got out this afternoon, didn't he? That's right, at 4.30. Where's Mrs. Connors? At the club. Well, if I go down there, there's going to be more trouble. Martin went out about an hour ago. That's why we want you to come down. Martin got a phone call. He seemed worried. Marilyn was in the office with him. She said that when he left, he didn't say where he was going, but uh, he took his gun with him. Mm -hmm. 
Sloan and I went downstairs, climbed into his car, and headed for Martin Cope's nightclub. When we went in, Marilyn Connors was on stage. So we went to the back of the building and sat down in her dressing room. About ten minutes later, Marilyn came in. She was wearing something thin enough to make a silkworm come into Harry Carey. Hello, William. Mr. Diamond, I'm so glad you reconsidered. I think we both reconsidered, didn't we? Has Martin come back yet? I'll go see. I'll be right back. I'm worried, Mr. Diamond. Uh, how long ago did Cope leave? About half an hour before I went on. If you'll excuse me, I have to take off my makeup. Oh, sure, go right ahead. He's back. Martin? Yes, and I'm sure something's happened. He's worried sick about something. I'll go see him. Uh, Mrs. Connors. Yes? Do you want me to stay? No, no, I don't think that'd be a good idea. Why don't you go over to my apartment and wait? It's 48 West 74th Street, number three. It's a walk-up. All right. Wait, you'll need a key. Here. She handed me her key and left with William Sloan. I walked out of the club, grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was walking upstairs to her apartment. The room was in darkness. I felt around for a light switch near the door. Then I froze. The room was still and quiet, but there was a smell in the air, a heavy pungent odor that a gun leaves after it's been fired. The smell was cordite. I flipped the switch on and looked down at the dead body of Joe Connors, lying on his back, shot through the head. Back to Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. Who is it? The police. Oh, goody. Otis. Yeah? You're standing on my foot. Oh, sorry, Lieutenant. Well, good evening, Lieutenant Levinson. Who's dead, Diamond? Right over there. Name's Joe Connors. Shot in the head, Lieutenant. Well, Otis is getting brighter. Who did it? How do I know? Whose apartment is this? Uh, Mrs. Marilyn Connors. Same name as the dead man. No, his name's Joe. Oh, I mean the last name. Look, meathead. Well, it is. Well, he's right, Walt. They were married. What are you doing here? Me? Well, I come with you. Otis. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, what are you doing here, Diamond? Well, Marilyn Connors asked me to wait for her. And let's all wait. Walt, Walt, have you noticed all the windows are locked? So it's cold out. Well, let's not wait. Let's go over to Martin Cope's nightclub. What's Martin Cope got to do with it? Leave Otis here until the coroner arrives. Put a tag on him so the coroner will be sure to get the right body, and I'll tell you about the whole thing on the way over to the club. Lieutenant Levinson to see you, Martin. Oh, hello, Lieutenant. Hi. What are you doing here, Diamond? He's with me, Cope. You own a gun? What is this? He said, do you own a gun? Yeah, so what? Mind if I look at it? Okay. It's loaded. Let's see. Hmm, been fired. You're nuts. Rick. Has been. What is this? I haven't fired that gun since I owned it. You took it out of here with you, didn't you? What's that to you, Diamond? You took it out tonight, didn't you? Don't answer that, Martin. Now look. Let's go down to the station. What for? Martin, you knew Joe Connors, didn't you? Yeah. 
Well, somebody shot him. You think I... Martin, don't say any more. Well, I'm surprised it's you, Sloan. You were the one who told me Martin took the gun with him. You did? How the devil did I know Diamond would go to the police? What were you doing with Diamond anyway? Marilyn hired him. And fired him. She hired him again tonight. He was working for her. Anything I told him was in confidence. Murder just isn't confidential, Sloan. Look, uh... Wait a minute, Jim. Yeah, you're right. I, I went out to see Joe Connors. He, he phoned me. Martin. I didn't kill him, though. Yeah, I took my gun, but I didn't use it. He was dead when I got there. You went to Marilyn Connors' apartment? That's right. Well, let's all go down to the station and have ballistics check on this gun. And in the meantime, Cope, I'm holding you on suspicion of murder. <laughs> Well, here's the ballistics report, Rick. Cope's gun was the one that did the job. Slug they took out of Connors matched. Hmm. Now let's talk to Marilyn Connors and Sloan again. Why? We've got our boy. Just want to talk to them. Send in Miss Connors and Mr. Sloan. Now what have you got on your mind, Rick? Oh, I was just thinking about all the windows being locked. So what? You want to see us, Lieutenant? Mr. Diamond does. Have a chair. Mr. Diamond, I'm sorry things worked out this way. Well, so am I. Oh, uh, here's your apartment key. Thank you. How many people have a key to your apartment, Mrs. Connor? What? Martin has the only other one. Mm-hmm. What time did Martin get that phone call? Oh, about 7.30, I guess. I got to the club about 7.15. Martin usually comes in about 7.30. I met him in his office, and he got the call. And he took the gun and left right away? Uh, it's all right. Uh, Martin has already admitted taking the gun. Yes, he took the gun and left almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Where were you, Sloan? At home. I got to the club just after Martin left. Marilyn told me what had happened, and I came right over to you. Oh. Well, all right. Thank you very much. Hmm. That's all? Are you going to defend Mr. Cope? I doubt it. I don't think he wants me to. Well, thank you very much. We'll be talking to you. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Mr. Diamond. So long. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, what was all that about? I want to talk to Martin Cope. Rick, now look. I want to talk to him. I want to find out how Joe Connors got into a locked apartment without a key. I don't want anything to do with you, Diamond. You better cooperate. Diamond's got an angle that's worth listening to. I didn't shoot Connors no matter what that ballistics report says. You have a key to Maryland's apartment. Yeah. Connors was dead when you got there. Yeah, I told you that. You left the club about a quarter of eight. That's right, about a quarter to eight. Connors had been dead about three hours when I found him, Walt. I found him about 9.30. By gosh, that's right. And that, uh, that part of your story stands up, Cope. He, he was dead when you got there. What about the gun? You always keep that gun in your desk, Cope? Yeah. Who was in the club with you? Oh, the usual people. Waiter, bartenders, busboys. Marilyn? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Uh, who knew you kept the gun in the desk? Oh, half a dozen people, maybe. You think somebody lifted that gun, killed Connors, and put it back in the desk? You always come in about 7.30, don't you, Cobe? Yeah, every night. According to the death certificate, Connors had been dead about an hour before you came in. What time did you leave the club this afternoon? Right after you slugged me. Oh, got up rather suddenly. It was about 4.30, wasn't it? Somebody could have gone into your office, taken that gun, killed Connors, put the gun back before you came in at 7.30. Then I'm cleared? No, 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 not a bit. You have a key to Marilyn's apartment. The killer had a key to let Connors in. Miss Connors said there were only two keys. 
Well, Walt, let's go talk to Mrs. Connors. Uh, Mrs. Connors, where were you around seven this evening? Seven? Where were you? Why, downtown. You weren't in your apartment? No. Did you come back from downtown before going to the club? No. Well, who was in your apartment? Why, no one that I know of. Have you ever given your key to anyone except Cope and, uh, oh, me, of course? Yes. Who and how long ago? My piano player, about a week ago. Hello, Bernie. Hello. Oh, hello. You're the nice man who slugged Mr. Cope this afternoon. Let me buy you a drink. Oh, no, thanks, Bernie. This is Lieutenant Levinson. Lieutenant? Hi. Uh, what time did you get the club this evening, Bernie? Oh, about 7.30. Why? The cook says he saw you come in around 7.15. Mm, 15 minutes one way or the other. Where were you at 7 o'clock, Bernie? My house, I guess. Mm, Bernie. Bernie, we checked with the state prison. They, uh, they censor letters up there. Do they? Mm-hmm. A man named Joe Connors got a letter two days ago telling him to meet someone at Mrs. Connors' apartment around 6.30 this evening. Hmm. What's this all about? Well, we'd like to have you come down to the station for a paraffin test, Bernie. A paraffin test? Yeah, we can determine if anyone has shot a gun in the last 48 hours. Oh. When did you take Mr. Cope's gun, Bernie? Right after he left this afternoon. You had a duplicate key made from the one Mrs. Connors gave you several days ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, the green hardware shop, I believe, over on 64th Street. Why'd you do it? Oh, love, hate, lots of reasons. What difference does it make? For a week now, I've heard him talking about Joe Connors and what he might do when he got out. I saw a chance to get rid of Martin Cope, so I had the key made, wrote Joe Connors a letter, and killed him with Mr. Cope's gun. After you killed Connors, you came back, put the gun back in the drawer, and when Martin Cope came in, you called him and said you were Connors. From that phone booth right over there. Were you in love with Marilyn Connors? That is an extremely earthy question that can do no good at all. Well, let's go, Lieutenant. I was getting tired of playing the piano anyway. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. In a way, it's too bad it didn't work. Think what Marilyn Connor's in for when she marries Martin Cope. Oh, speaking of Marilyn Connors, you certainly did take a lot of pains describing her, um, her attributes. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't painful at all. Was she really that pretty? Pretty, pretty. Well, I'm jealous. Well, don't be. She had one thing that was wrong. What was that? She had long, blonde hair that hung all the way down to the floor. Well, that sounds beautiful. But it was her mustache. Better sing something, huh? I think you'd better. Mm. What would you like? Anything that will make up for that last remark. I thought it was pretty clever. Just sing. Okay. How about this? Maybe I'm right And maybe I'm wrong Maybe I'm weak And maybe I'm strong But nevertheless I'm in love with you
Maybe I'll win and maybe I'll lose. Maybe I'm in for crying the blues. But nevertheless, I'm in love with you. Somehow I know at a glance the terrible chances I'm taking. Fine at the start, but left with a heart that is breaking. Maybe I live a life of regret. And maybe I'll give much more than I'll get, but nevertheless, I'm in love with you. Oh, that's better. Mm, thank you. Rick. Hmm? I'll bet she really did have pretty hair. Oh, I guess so, but she kept it all rolled up on her head. Well, what's the matter with that? I like yours better. I wear mine up. Yeah, but I've seen you with your hair down. Rick. Come here. Rick? Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, no one deserves the appreciation of the American people more than the men and women who have served in our armed forces. The Camel people send weekly gifts of cigarettes to those servicemen and veterans who are hospitalized. This week's Camels go to Veterans Hospital, Martinsburg, West Virginia, and Carl Gables, Florida. U.S. Army Station Hospital, Camp Hood, Texas. U.S. Naval Hospital, Chelsea, Massachusetts. Now, until next week, enjoy Camels. I always do. <laughs> Tonight's adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell, was written by Blake Edwards. Our director is Helen Mack. Listen next week for another exciting transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the FBI, follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surfer series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. I love the uh, piano player using uh, music to express his. Uh, sarcasm and or problems with Marilyn Connors. Though it does make the love story motive uh, somewhat harder to swallow, but then again, I guess it also could be a bit of camouflage for his true feelings. We also got to hear Diamond sing twice, so the second song's definitely my favorite, and I, I think uh, probably one of the better songs he's done on the series. With that, we'll turn to listener comments and feedback. 
Stephen writes regarding the Mona Lisa murder, episode 2285. I feel like I heard this plot with another detective who didn't sing. Did you recognize it? Uh, Stephen, I did not. Uh, of course, we played uh, nearly 2,300 episodes plus specials, plus the ones I didn't listen to. I listened to, but I haven't yet played. Could have missed something. If anyone out there has heard a plot similar to the Mona Lisa murder, uh, let me know. I thought it was a pretty original plot, but it could be that I have uh, forgotten something or haven't quite yet heard a program. Thanks so much for the question, Stephen. And then we have a message from Gary, who writes, Hello, Adam. I'm a long-time listener and fan. I recall several months back you discussed royalties for songs that Dick Powell would sing at the end of the of Richard Diamond episodes. Here's a related piece on how much royalties were paid back then. This may explain why songs from an older era were sung if the show had a limited budget. And it's an article on um, how the uh, singer of the uh, Jello song was uh, played, um, that Myron Neasley, uh, that... Uh, the catch is that Neasley trills only the top and final note of the Benny signature. The first four letters of the signature J-E-L-L are sung by Johnny Green's players. The comedian decided that the final O was so important he must engage a special singer. For singing the O twice each Sunday night, Neasley gets $50 or $825 or $25 a note. The ingenious person calculated that were an opera star to be paid on such a basis, he would receive some $18,000 of performance. Um, interesting. Uh, now Dick Powell charged that much to sing. But even so, that I guess is something to keep in mind when you look at the cost it would take to this program, to do this program, as well as the amount of salary that uh, Dick Powell drew from it. Because he was a good enough singer in his day, and even just uh, six years before this uh, episode aired, he had his own uh, singing program on uh, the Fitch uh, bandwagon. Gary concludes with, uh, thank you for your contributions to keep these shows alive. Thanks so much, Gary. Nancy R. Uh, writes in uh, regarding her nation, uh, there are some overdue do's in this amount. I really enjoy the many shows you produce every week. Thank you so much, Nancy. Nancy S. writes, I've been a fan since 2008, and I appreciate you uh, following the show for so long. That goes back to just being on Old Time Dragnet before we got started here. And then Catherine writes, I've been listening to you for a long time. I started because of Sherlock Holmes sometime about the middle of the John Lund run of Johnny Dollar. Your program has kept me up over many thousands of miles driving, commuting, and doing chores. Thank you for all you do. I wish I could send more, but uh, things have always been in tide. I hope at some point um, to be able to join your Patreon supporters one day. Again, thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kathy. I appreciate your support. And all the donations that have come in for this uh, listener support campaign. A reminder, you can still support us at support.greatdetectives.net. The campaign runs through Sunday, and uh, we do have those thank you gifts. At the level of $20 or more, at your request, we'll send you an ebook of your choice, as well as an additional thank you gift with a donation of $25 or more. Uh, and among the options that we do have are uh, autographed copies of my books, Tales of the Dim Knot, Fly Another Day, Powerhouse Hard Pressed, and Ultimate Midlife Crisis. 
And those are available in the U.S. and Canada autographed. Also, we still do, as of this recording, have uh, some of the badges left. Uh, the Colombo uh, identification card has uh, been taken, but we still have replica ID cards for uh, Dragnet and Adam-12, and these are replicas of ID cards that were used on television with uh, characters such as Joe Friday, Frank Smith, Bill Gannon, Pete Malloy, and Officer Jim Reed. A full list of available thank you gifts at support.greatdetectives.net. And that will actually be all for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And then uh, next Tuesday, follow that man. And then next Wednesday, we'll be back with another episode of Richard Dime. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.